Thank you once again for listening and supporting the No Purpose Without Love podcast. If you like what you've been hearing, please remember to follow this podcast to continue receiving notifications about new upcoming episodes. For more information about how to start your own purpose-filled journey or to get in touch with me, you can start my online course by going to courses.beaconleaders.com or you can email me at info at beaconleaders.com. You can also visit my website at www.davidegoresso.com. I will post these links and others in the description section of each episode as well. So until next time, remember to lead well, live on purpose, and honor God with your life. Well, hello again. Welcome back to the No Purpose Without Love podcast. I am your host, Dave Garesso, and just want to put out a reminder that if you like what you're hearing so far in this podcast, remember to follow or subscribe, depending on which platform you're listening on. And without further ado, I just want to jump in uh, to the agenda for this episode. So this episode might be a little bit different because this time I'm going to take you all on a walk through my life to share with you who I am and where I develop the passion for the topics and the things that we have already discussed and the things that we will discuss in the future, especially as we start bringing on guests in the next episode. So ultimately, my goal here is to demonstrate how our past influences who we become. And the truth is, we've all been through some hard stuff. And if you haven't yet, you will. Uh, But there are always negatives to that. But the truth is, is that there's always positives that can come out of it as well. And so as I share my story in this episode and walk you through some of the things that I've been through in my life, I don't want that to get missed that each of these things that have occurred for me and the things that have occurred for you have a, a direct correlation with who you are today. And without those things occurring in your life, you wouldn't be who you are. And for many, uh, that person that you are means a whole lot. So never discount even some of the pains and the, the trials that we go through because they do shape us. Let me begin by just kind of discussing my childhood and how I grew up. And, and I've got to say that you know some of this for me is going to be a little bit difficult to share simply because I've been through some stuff that it's not really fun to talk about publicly, but I think it's important because it's it's part of my story. Once again, it's part of who I am and it made me who I am today. And the second thing that I'll say before I jump in is that, you know, when, it, when I'm discussing my parents and some of the things that happened in my childhood, I, I definitely want to to honor my parents and all the good that they've brought me brought into my life because I wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. Um, I wouldn't be the person that I am if it weren't for the things that they taught me. So I want to give that honor to both my mom and my dad uh, who did the absolute best that they could with what they were given as parents. So thank you uh, to my mom who may be listening to this. I love you. So Starting off with my childhood um, home life growing up, I grew up in the Detroit area. 
basically an Italian, German, and Polish family. My mom is 100% Polish. My dad was half German, half Italian. I have two sisters, so we were a family of five. Uh, as far as faith was concerned, uh, I grew up Catholic, as did most of our family. My mom uh, was a practicing Catholic, and that means my sisters and I often went to church with her. And, you know, we went all the way through Catholic school when we were younger and were confirmed um, at, at, through catechism when we were in eighth grade. So I had a lot of exposure to God through, through the Catholic Church. And so I'm grateful for that because it taught me a lot. It taught me that God matters. Uh, but I would say that I didn't fully understand what it was like to be in relationship or connection with God in the same way that I am now. Uh, we had a large family, uh, really on both sides. Um, we generally were sheltered, I would say, my sisters and I. We didn't get to do a whole lot. It often felt like other kids our own age were exposed to a lot more, doing a lot more, whereas when we would ask, um, we, we weren't able to do those things as much. So I feel like the exposure to certain things in life early on, it wasn't really there. And that's positive in that it kept us from uh, probably some harmful exposure, but it also prevented us from having a deeper understanding in some cases of how things in the world worked. Uh, especially for me, I didn't feel like I had a lot of friends. Uh, I didn't feel like I had a lot of things to do outside of schoolwork. So I felt kind of almost naive and un uninformed about how things worked, which created certainly some struggles for me later. I would say that we had a pretty unhealthy, unstable family environment, and not in terms of um, complete destruction. Like we still had a lot of love in our family. There were good things that happened. Um, the family stayed intact for the most part until I was just about to leave the nest, so to speak. But Here's what I mean by that. Um, my parents' parental styles were vastly different. Um, they, they didn't often agree on how to parent us or how parenting children in general should work. So there was a lot of argument and disagreement um, that was uh, often done behind closed doors, but it was also pretty evident and visible to us uh, because uh, of the, the arguments and the fighting that would happen. The extended family was not often a stable fixture, particularly on my dad's side, where him and his siblings would often fight and have cussing matches and um, lots of disagreement and division occurred there. Uh, I was raised by my dad largely in an authoritarian parenting style, uh, very firm uh, pretty controlling, not very nurturing and supportive. My mom was, my dad not so much. Uh, we did experience lots of love, like I already mentioned, uh, but that was often overshadowed by the abuse and mistreatment that we experienced growing up. Um, I think my dad also growing up in a great deal uh, of significant abuse in his upbringing, he did his best to show love and make changes, and many changes he did make 
Uh, but again, the memories were often dulled by some of the abuse that, that I experienced. Um, I feel that my dad was not really capable of being emotionally available the way that we needed. Uh, he was never really taught that himself. Uh, mom took good care of us and was often emotionally available. Um, but when we were home alone with my dad, those were uh, those are where some of the tough memories still remain in my head. Um, but my mom was definitely more of an example of how love looks. Uh, and, and as far as being emotionally available, uh, she was there, right? And so I would say that there were inconsistencies. While there was goodness there, there, there were times where we felt lost, abandoned, or hopeless. Uh, and I say we because I, I, I think that collectively my sisters and I experienced this in different ways. Uh, some of the biggest scars that I experienced um, was, you know, especially with dad, is when the abuse would occur, it was often made to seem like it was my fault. Now, I don't necessarily mean in the context of I made a mistake or I was deserving of discipline. Uh, it was it was things like, say, you get hit in the face and you end up with a black eye. Um, it wasn't because I was struck. It was because I sat up at the wrong time and my face happened to hit his hand. It was just stuff like that that would often be um, pressed into my head, which, you know, looking back is there were times where I was frustrated. None of this stuff am I still holding on to in terms of being angry about it. Um, I'm more or less just sharing here how it was presented to me and some of the struggle that came with it. Uh, the abuse was often normalized and, and how this was done was it was often minimized by comparison to my father's upbringing. So as he experienced things in some cases much, much worse than, than I did, um, when um, it would happen, I think that it hurt him to know that he hurt me. And as a result of that, uh, I think in order to sort of justify what happened, he would say, this is what happened to me. And it was nothing like what happened to you. So therefore, right, this is necessary. This is a necessary component of being a parent and having to execute discipline. Um, so some of the things went f way too far. Um, but like I said, it was it was more or less normalized. Um, sometimes the perspective that I had or my sisters had on what occurred growing up was vastly different than how dad would see it when we looked back retrospectively and shared how we remembered it. Um, that, too, created a lot of friction, uh, especially in our young adult years. Uh, it felt like dad really wasn't there for us. Uh, and generally, a lot of times we felt lost alone, or just plain scared. We weren't really allowed to speak unless we were asked. And if we spoke wrongly or incorrectly, or uh, he didn't agree with what we said, especially if we were expressing frustration or dissatisfaction, uh, there'd often be penalties for that. Uh, relationships with uh, between my sisters and I was often turned competitive. Um, things like 
why can't you be more like this sibling or that sibling were often uh, spoken or we were compared to one another um, and pinned against each other even at times. Um, it really wasn't an environment where we often felt like we were for each other, but more or less competitively competing against each other. Um, whether that was grades in school or our ability to tell the truth or how we handled difficult situations, who was more vocal or less vocal, all of those things. Um, there was a lot of comparison there, which I think still creates um, struggle in our adult lives. Um, Family and friends often did speak against it, including my mom, but it didn't usually make a difference. Um, at the end of the day, we still lived in the home and my dad was still the authority figure there. So it is what it was. And there wasn't a lot of change that could be made, although sometimes the influence was there and dad would make some decisions um, that were based on the influence that came from others. Uh, growing up in school, um, myself personally, I was really small. To put that in perspective, I was 95 pounds and 4'11 entering high school. So there wasn't much to me. I was smaller than my own kids are currently who are younger than me. Uh, even my daughter's bigger than I was at that age. So I, I felt like a runt. And in many ways, I felt like I was treated that way by my peers at school, um, dealt with a lot of bullying, uh, getting flicked in the head on the bus or uh, called names and uh, pursuing relationships that never really went anywhere because it felt like I wasn't worthy to have those relationships. And sometimes it felt like I was treated that way, um, even humiliated by coaches at times uh, when I wrestled. Um, and for some people, they turn outward, they get angry in response to some of these things that I went through. But for me, I turned inward to deal with the pain. Um, and so what that meant was isolation, telling myself that I'm all I've got, I'm, I'm alone. I developed that fear of abandonment because it felt like everyone that was close to me, uh, who I felt should have been my greatest sources of love and support in my life were the very people that I felt like were as far away from me as possible. Um, so it, it was difficult to live with that. Um, if you're familiar with attachment theory, I feel like uh, I'm very anxiously attached because of the inconsistency that I received growing up, sometimes loving and sometimes uh, hostile and toxic. Uh, so that does create a certain level of anxiety in relationships uh, throughout my life. Uh, I would say that I struggle to regulate myself emotionally. Um, and the impact of that is really just to be, it's difficult to be consistent with things. Um, as I got older and I started to work, um, I realized that work, just like school growing up, the reward came when you did well. Um, so there was a lot more obedience and reward versus influence and grace. On this podcast, we talk about God's love. We talk about his grace and his mercy. Uh, those were concepts in the first half of my life that were pretty foreign to me. Never really understood how influence, grace, mercy, and love in its truest form really worked. It, it was simple to me. 
and that if I did well in life, if I did what I was supposed to, mm-hmm. I would be treated with love. And if I didn't do things the way that I was supposed to, that there was going to be a lot of difficulty and pain coming my way. Uh, so that reinforced that ultimately approval is attached to performance uh, rather than just universally given because our value as human beings is just constant because we're created by a loving father um, that sees our value as equal and consistent from person to person. Um, so what that did for me is, is, is it made me very performance-driven. I compared my se- success to others. Um, I had constant one, two, three, five, ten, twenty-year plans for monetary goals and material goals. Um, achievement, success became more important. Um, anything but a positive response from others would generally cripple me. Um, I worked to impress others rather than support or encourage them. Uh, and I worked from control rather than influence. Because my thought was, if I can control my environment, I could control the amount of pain that I would feel or completely avoid it altogether. Um, and I share some of these things because, you know, as I, I share my past and the outcome, some of you listening to this may resonate with some of the outcomes of the pain that I experienced. Um, and, and I wanted to bring attention to that because I know sometimes when I share this stuff, it sounds so doom and gloom. Um, I think for some, it frustrates them when a person talks about their past, especially those close to me who've heard me talk about it a lot. It can come off as you're living in that space and you're not moving past it. You're focusing on the past instead of the power of the present. And I, don't get me wrong, I completely understand that. And I, I will admit that I do have a tendency to live in that space, um, but that's not where I want to remain. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that as we progress through the episode. However, I think it's important to share our stories and our pain and the outcome of that because usually um, you'll find that when you share, you'll discover that you're not alone, that others have experienced some of the same types of abuse and the same types of struggles throughout their lives, and they have similar outcomes that they're battling with now, uh, but not a whole lot of guidance or support with anybody who's willing to walk back to that stuff and say, hey, I know you're hurting and you're still struggling today, uh, but here are some of the reasons why that might be happening. And oh, by the way, there's hope and a future for you. You can overcome this because others have walked this out. Others have overcome this and are currently still overcoming it. And they want to they want to have your back and, and share in that story and that process with you. And that's who I am. That's what I want to do. I want to be um, that voice for you that says, hey, you're not alone. You know, if you've been through some of this stuff yourself, um, I, I've been through it with you. And I want to be a support and a shoulder to cry on, but I also want to be um, a path forward and, and share with you how God has helped me overcome so that you too can join me on that journey to recovery and that journey towards thriving rather than just surviving and the journey towards really uh, being the best version of yourself and God's best version of who you are and what he created you to be. So with that said, let's move into married life. Um, both We both came from broken families. 
Uh, my wife and I would say are we're very unprepared for the work of marriage. Uh, there's just so much that goes into a covenant relationship like marriage. It's a relationship that's unlike any other relationship that we will have in this life. Um, and I love what somebody said to me once that marriage is a, essentially our wives, I would say specifically, are a full length mirror into our relationship with God. And I couldn't tell you how true that is uh, based on everything I've experienced leading up uh, from the time I was saved and came to Christ till now. Um, mostly every struggle I have is somehow related to a struggle that I have with God. Um, but we, we didn't understand those things early on. Matter of fact, we did not have a relationship with God when we first began. Uh, so those first five to 10 years, especially the first five, were very, very rough. Um, I, I never really had drug or substance addictions, uh, but I did have an addiction to video games. Um, and it was really bad um, early on in my wife and I's relationship. Uh, so much so that I could be on a date night with her and say, hey, I've got to be home by a certain time because there's a bunch of people meeting to play the game. Uh, I had websites. Um, I had I paid for websites. I paid for tools to stay connected with the people I was playing with, had regular meetings. I, I ran this thing like a business. And most of the nights, my wife would fall asleep by herself on the couch because I was rarely um, there with her because I was too busy playing the game and even falling asleep at the game late at night. So when I say it's an addiction to video games, that's not one we hear about probably very often, uh, but it was very real in my life and creating a lot of problems, as you could imagine, especially in marriage. Um, I haven't, hadn't at that point even begun identifying childhood traumas. That was probably a foreign phrase to me. Um, didn't really fully understand the impact of what I had been through leading up to that point, but it was certainly creating a lot of stress on our marriage and our relationship. Um, I would say that in many ways I was repeating some of the behaviors I witnessed growing up, and while I wasn't physically abusive, I would say that I was verbally and emotionally abusive. A lot of the things I said uh, sadly, still impact uh, our relationship today. I can't take it back. Um, but because of what I had been through, a lot of the things that I did and said were, were harmful to my wife. Um, I tried to control. Um, again, that was rooted in the fact that if I could control the environment, control even my wife and her reactions to things, that somehow I could avoid pain. And all I ended up doing was hurting her more and in turn hurting myself more. Um, it was destructive and toxic. Um, I essentially had two choices. I could stay married or get divorced. Um, thankfully, at the time, I chose to stay married, uh, get therapy right when I was about to call the divorce lawyer. And my mom would remember, right? I called her up. I said, Mom, what was it that you did to get divorced? I'm ready. Um, but that day I chose to call counselors instead. The insurance company gave me a list of them anyway. Um, and I was thankful because after over a year of therapy, our marriage was saved. And uh, I'm grateful for that because uh, our marriage is, while not perfect, certainly a whole lot better today than it ever was back then. Um, fast forward to 2008. 
Um, and I, I love this, right? I would say this is the beginning of my relationship in linear time with God. But for from God's perspective, I know that this was just a continuation of his pursuit over me or for me in my life, because I know now looking back that he was always there. But it wasn't until this time in my life for me that I recognized that he was now actively pursuing me. And um, I'm thankful once again for that uh, growing up Catholic and the influence that that had in my childhood, because I think it gave me the ability to receive what happened that year. Um, I, I went to church after being married. I think it was about a year or two that we continued to go in Catholic church. Um, but then in 2008, my sister uh, continually was inviting us to this church. And uh, some experience that I had with particularly Protestant churches, um, particularly the Pentecostal denomination, made it uh, difficult for me to want to attend the church that my sister was inviting me to. Uh, so I rejected the invite several times. Um, during work, there was an older gentleman that was there ministering to me, and he would drop the pamphlets on my desk and tell me about Jesus, and um, he would share his, some of his experiences and the need for, for Christ in my life. And I was always very open to it, but a little awkward and not really sure how to take it. Uh, but nonetheless, these things were happening happening simultaneously. Um, after getting married in 2003, we did go to church for a year or two after that. But at this point, um, I had stopped for at least two to three years. Um, so I wasn't attending church. I wasn't actively pursuing a relationship with God. But here, uh, my sister showed up and my friend at work had showed up and there was an obvious thing going on. And so I remember one day I was playing the game and my sister reached out, I think in a text or uh, might even been a page at that time. I don't remember. Uh, but I looked over at my wife who was sitting on the couch near me and I said, hey, you know, she wants us to come to this church I'm frustrated by it. I don't really want to attend, but if it'll basically shut her up, <laughs> I'd like to go ahead and just do it. Um, and we got nothing else better to do. Would you like to go? And my wife agreed. If, you, if that's what you want to do, Dave, I'll do it. And so we started attending. And interestingly, the more I attend, the, the biggest thing I'll say about this church is it was nothing like Catholic church. If you've ever been to a Catholic church, uh, there's almost a ritualistic style in how church happens each week you go. It's pretty much always the same. Very few words change other than what's called the homily, uh, where the priest would tell a story and share some insights about the scriptures that were shared that day. But generally speaking, outside of that, the same type of ritual happens. At this church that I attended to that my sister invited me to, I mean, there were guitars. It felt like a concert was happening on the stage when I walked in. And I'm like, this is church? And it threw me off. And I would say at the time, it broke walls down for me. Because where I was used to a certain way of doing church, 
I realized that that wasn't the only way and that in this case, church was actually fun, exciting, and interesting. And that alone is probably what threw me off the most is I wasn't used to church being fun, exciting, and interesting. And now it felt like it was. So it made me want to listen to what the pastor was saying. And the more I listened to him, the more I realized that being being Christian had nothing to do with how good I performed. Because like I said, up until now, everything I had been taught had to do with if you performed well, things went well. But what I had learned in church that day is that whether I performed well or not, I was separated from God because it wasn't that about my current present active performance as much as it was about how all the times before that, that I had fallen short of this perfect, holy, loving God. And it was in that moment that I said, I need this. Without Jesus, without his loving perfection in my life, I'm lost. And so I think that's when I began to see in the back of my mind just how messed up I truly was. And that without Jesus Christ being the center of my life, I'm not going to be able to do this going forward. And so I began to... Um, admit and own that in the depths of my heart. And one day shortly after I go to work and my friend at work, uh, his name was Ron. He walks in the office. It was very awkward in my office at work because he walked by, he pauses, he looks in the office, comes in, shuts the door behind him and simply says this, I felt like I needed to come in here and ask you if you're willing to receive the Lord Jesus as your savior. And it, it, it's not something that's ever happened to me before, but I looked down, I thought about it for a moment, and I looked back up at him and I said, you know what? I am. I'm ready to receive. And so he said, let's pray together. And we prayed to receive Jesus as Lord. Uh, and he looked at me right after and he said, Dave, from this day forward, your life will never be the same. And he couldn't have been more right. Um, it was only... A week or two later, I think, that my daughter was born. It was our first of four that were to come, and everything began to change. But I will say this, everything didn't change overnight. It was a process, but my heart shifted, my focus shifted, and now instead of looking at you know, games and control, I, I was looking more in a spiritual sense at the face of Jesus Christ and began asking him to lead. Um, it took time. It took years to really develop that. I'm still a work in progress. Um, but that was the day everything began to change. One thing that did change immediately was I stopped gaming completely. Uh, I no longer had the addiction. I handed the thing that I was leading off to a friend of mine uh, and never really looked back towards that. Uh, that went away, so that was a, certainly a huge help in marriage. Uh, my almost failed marry, marriage did improve, and today I'm married. I will be celebrating actually 20 years this month, uh, so super excited about that. Um, and then, again, this happened just before my daughter was born. We now today have four children uh, that are 14, 12, 10, and 8. I have a daughter and three sons. 
Um, so what God did going forward, I don't know that we could have been become the parents that we became became since then uh, if I hadn't had that encounter with God. Um, and then, so fast forwarding now to what I call my Southern life, uh, originally from Detroit, but in 2011, we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, this came with its own challenges, uh, taking on a new job down in Atlanta, Started off really great, uh, but got a little bit rough. So I, I sort of became miserable with the job that I had. The one friend that that I had, uh, we had sort of a, a big blow up, and that changed the relationship. Uh, and I felt like I lost a friend during that. Um, and and I have to say that every struggle that I had, because like I mentioned previously, um, I struggled to regulate my emotion. And some days today, I still do. Um, but I, I felt I feel bad for that friend looking back, because I put everything on that friend, I, every struggle I had, including some of the marriage struggles that I was having at the time, because my wife wasn't really ready for the big change that we went through and it was her struggle and it created some friction in our marriage. And so my marriage struggles, my job struggles, my personal and emotional struggles, all of that I feel like I poured on that friend and I think he struggled to in how to respond to that. And so that's partly what created created that, that difficult situation. Uh, but it just, for me personally, the whole thing, it just became overwhelming. Um, and I would say that at that time, because I was still struggling with performance-driven living, uh, it started to affect my, my Christianity too. Um, and this is what I talk about is the difference between religion and a true loving relationship with, with my heavenly dad. Um, it was about doing the right things and not doing the wrong things and expecting others around me to do the same. And I began pushing away family members, pushing away friends because they didn't live up to the expectation that, that I thought they should be living up to. And a lot of it, sadly, was done through the lens of Christianity. If you're familiar with the Word of God, you'll know what I mean when I say Pharisee, um, I feel like I was acting like a modern-day Pharisee. Uh, and I did write a blog post about that, which I can post in the description of this podcast if you'd like to read about uh, what I went through and how I began to transition out of that. But it's also why I am passionately not a fan of religion. Um, and, and what I would call religion is just a set of rules, regulations, do's and don'ts for how to get close to God. I do not support that mindset. I think that the things that God did give us to do and don't are more about leading us towards a better relationship with him and others and not about earning the right to be called a Christian or earning a place in God's kingdom. That That's really uh, not what God intended. Uh, there'll be more on that, I'm sure, in future episodes. Um, but this was also, when, at going through this hardship in this particular time, first moving to Atlanta, 
uh, after a few years of struggling with that, it gave birth to the beginning of personal growth and development for me. And when I went, uh, I remember speaking to a mentor back then talking about how I wanted to get more into leadership. And at first it started with work and he recommended a book by John Maxwell And I think I was looking for the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, which is a great foundational book, by the way, if you're interested. Um, But I ended up finding the 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader, which dealt more with the character of the leader, the character of the person involved. And when I read that book, it completely transformed the way I saw leadership. I began to see it as something completely different. Um, I saw leadership not just as being a boss at work, uh, but a way of living that influences people and what happens to us in every area of our lives, whether I was home, whether I was at work or just in the grocery store or sitting by myself, there's self-leadership with family. It doesn't matter the environment. Uh, Leadership is possible in every space. And that's why I struggle to use the term leadership when I talk about some of the things that I do, because I think the first thing that people think when you say, how do you become a better leader, is they think about being a boss at work or leading something uh, in a context of work. But it's really so, so, so much more than that. Um, how do, How we behave, how we use our resources, how we see ourselves, how we respond to people, how we care for people or show empathy for people, All of those things are variables and how we show up in the world. And all of those things either have a positive or negative influence on the environments around us. And when I say leadership, that's really what I'm speaking about. But I would say that the personal growth and development that I experienced back then affected me body, mind, and spirit. Um, I completed my first half marathon Sometime during that time, uh, physically, that was something I had never uh, been challenged with up until that point. Thank you to the friend, you know who you are, that helped me through that. Um, Mentally, I studied leadership. I had a lot of training in active listening. I even went to some post-grad school uh, and began pursuing a degree as a marriage and family therapist. I never completed that, Um, but it was something that uh, I... I enjoyed and gained a whole lot from. Uh, it, spiritually speaking, had a lot more church involvement. I started reading the Bible on a regular basis. I started praying on a regular basis, and I could see the impact that it was having in my life. Up until then, I was largely focused on self and how to impress others with what I was able to accomplish. But at that point, I began changing more towards an others-focused mindset where I realized that if I, the more I invest in others, um, there was joy that would, would come from that. Uh, there was influence that could be generated from that in a positive way where you had the opportunity to add goodness to people's lives. And I didn't realize that I had things to share in that space but I, I started realizing that I did at that time, and I became a lot more intentional about investing in other people's lives and, and really just adding value uh, wherever I could um, and even looking for ways to multiply that uh, among many others.
Um, later, the leadership evolved to more towards a purpose focus. And this is largely because I realized that when I said leadership, it was often seen only in the context of work. Specifically, for me, it was largely in a corporate environment. Uh, but it was more than that. And so what I learned is that leadership is not being a boss at work and that purpose is not a job search. Um, in the same way, like leadership is often associated with work, purpose is usually associated with finding a job that you love. But purpose, too, is not just finding a job that you love. That's, that can be part of it. Um, but again, purpose impacts every area of our lives. And so the whole goal of what I was doing was trying to look at the, a person's holistic life because I had looked across my entire life and saw how family was impacted, work was impacted, my relationship with friends was impacted, all these spaces, even from a, a physical, mental, and spiritual and emotional component, a financial component, up until now, all that performance-driven uh, living and the pain that I experienced in the past was affecting all of those areas. But I realized that when we live purposefully, we can make changes positively in all those areas and we can become new. We can become different. We can begin to see fulfillment in places where we never thought we could. And when I began to see that happen for me, I became excited to share that with other people. So I began to develop courses on servant leadership. I got involved in something called DISC, which is a team building exercise. I started attending uh, Christian retreats, three of which had a major, major impact on my life, uh, putting me more in touch with how loved I am by God, putting me more in touch with uh, being uh, more loving in my family, um, and I realized that I wanted to be a coach because I realized that coaching touches all these areas. Um, I feel called by God. I heard from him at a retreat um, that I am to be a light in darkness so that others can be drawn to him because he's the source light. Um, other things that I felt like I heard from God in that time was that my life was going to be a lot like the life of Moses, that my children would be a lot like um, Joshua and that my grandchildren would live a life a lot like David. And so that that has certain impacts on my life today. Um, God also shared with me that he was very much wanting himself to be glorified rather than me. And so early on as a new believer and a new follower of Jesus Christ, I remember wanting to be a leader and I was thinking in the context of work. And what he said back to me was, if I make you a leader now, you will glorify yourself, not me. And I, I was immediately filled with peace at that time because I knew that that was true. And so I began that pursuit of focusing on others because God has called us to love him and others and ultimately to love others the way that he loved us. And so that's why I focus on the things that I do now. Uh, brings us to the pandemic uh, as most of you know, that was a huge opportunity, I think, for most of us to reevaluate our lives, um, to, to reevaluate our priorities, our future, our goals. Um, we began to experience more time together because of being grounded at home. And it, it 
caused us to come to the realization that we never really wanted to go back to living the way that we were living prior to the pandemic, which um, caused us to make some huge changes, which brings me to the last couple years. Um, in 2021, my family and I decided to pretty much sell everything we own, including our home. We converted a school bus to an RV and we began traveling uh, the country and we have since circled the entire country, got to see some of the most amazing, breathtaking views that, that this country has to offer, uh, some of which brought us to tears. Uh, we met a lot of amazing people, experienced a lot of um, just amazing experiences in general that I think will be burned into the memories of my wife and I and our kids uh, as long as we're alive. Uh, currently working on building a business uh, that focuses really on bringing this type of transformation that I've been talking about into the lives of others. Uh, currently working on a book um, that will also be called No Purpose Without Love. Uh, and it introduces how love and purpose intersect in our lives uh, so that we ultimately learn how to lead well, live on purpose, and honor God with our lives. Um, so lots to share there. Eventually, I would love to get into purpose-driven businesses. And I would also love to have either a nonprofit or some type of a ministry that focuses on people who have been through addictions and broken hardships or past family hurt and pain that have struggled for a lot of their adult life leading up till now who are looking to get into a space of thriving versus just surviving with the addiction. I would love to have a nonprofit that supports people in that journey as well. I coach, speak, and do training exercises for people, uh, have had a lot of success uh, organically even in the past in the companies that I've worked for and now having my own LLC. Uh, going forward, my family and I want to have land. Uh, we would like to build a home on it, uh, grow some of our own food, uh, and continue to grow this business uh, because it's not just about the livelihood. It's also about the fact that we want to create positive transformation in the lives of other people uh, because we believe that this is our call uh, by God. And more importantly, it just brings us so much incredible joy to be part uh, of God's plan for our lives and his plan for the world and for others. Uh, he loves us all. Um, and I'm, I'm just so excited and deeply encouraged by the love that God has. And I just want to share that with the world. Uh, but also, I would say that in recent years, I have a much more heightened sense of self-awareness. Um, I'm learning how to receive love from God in a way that I, I've not experienced or allowed into my life before. And very, very recently, just in the past few weeks, I'm coming into the realization that while I do trust God to love me that way, despite my flaws, I have not been very good about trusting people um, in my life, especially those closest to me, to love me through even my flaws as well. Um, I've felt 
so often that I'm so tragically flawed that eventually all of my relationships will end. And in many ways, I've self-sabotaged myself because of the fear of the pain that it would cause. And so I'm learning to trust people, uh, starting with the ones closest to me, to do that with me. Um, I realize that pain will come, that no relationship is perfect, and sometimes people will let us down. But I think many of us have the best of intentions. And if it's okay for me to experience pain and have a terrible way of communicating and responding to things that happen, then it's certainly okay for others. And it is a reason, right, for why we struggle in relationships. But there is hope and there is a path forward because of the grace and love of God. We can overlook some of those things and graciously work with each other to become better. Um, and, And I love that. I love that we have the opportunity to be that for one another. And because of the grace of God, um, painful circumstances don't have to be the final word on, on our relationship. Uh, I'm learning too that I can't just stay in my stuff. It's easy to get stuck in the pain of the past and it takes away a lot of the power of the present. Um, but the positive side of that is that because of the past pain, I'm passionate about helping others live an intentional, purpose-filled life. And this means a deep, loving relationship with God, healthy families, great work environments, and taking good care of the things and people that God has placed in our lives. I love doing that myself. I love growing in those areas, and I love helping others do the same Uh, because of the pain that I've gone through where I didn't feel like I had these things early on. Um, I feel that ultimately the primary aim here is to lead well, live on purpose, and honor God with our lives, and to do this in every area of our lives. Um, And then in closing, um, I'll wrap up with some scripture out of Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14. Uh, Paul says here that not that I have already grasped it all or have already become perfect, but I press on if I may also take hold of that for which I was even taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I wanted to share this with you because while we may deal with a lot of pain and we may get stuck in our past or even our present hurts and struggles, there is an upward call of Jesus Christ in our lives. And if we focus on what's ahead, he has promised that the old is gone, that we are new and that the path ahead will be nothing short of abundant. It will be nothing short of anything we could ask or imagine. And so I want to encourage you that if you've experienced any of the things I've discussed, and you're wondering, is there a path forward? I want to share with you today that the answer is an absolute yes. There is a path forward. You are loved. You are valued. And God wants to share with you an abundant life so much beyond what your wildest dreams and imagination are. If there's something you've been dreaming of, the answer is yes, you can do it. Because we have a loving Father that wants to partner with you in doing it. And quite frankly, He puts these desires 
The word says that anything, anything good comes down from heaven. So any good desire that's meant to share love and value with others, he placed that desire there because that's his aim. And I believe that he wants to partner with us in sharing his message around the world. So that's my story. That's who I am. Hopefully that gives you a little bit more insight into my passion behind this podcast and why I want to do the work that I'm, that I'm currently doing. Um, next up in our next episode, we will have our first interview with our first guest. I'm looking forward to publishing that for you here uh, sometime in the next few weeks. Um, I do plan to get on a more regular cadence with releasing these podcasts going forward. Uh, you will see that occur. Um, and then just one last thing, remember to subscribe or follow this podcast if you're finding it uh, beneficial um, and that it's helping you in some way. So once again, thank you so much for joining me, for listening to my story. Uh, please provide any feedback or comments or reach out to me. I will post my information in the description of this podcast episode. You all have a blessed day. Remember to lead well, live on purpose, and honor God with your life. Thank you once again for listening and supporting the No Purpose Without Love podcast. If you like what you've been hearing, please remember to follow this podcast to continue receiving notifications about new upcoming episodes. For more information about how to start your own purpose-filled journey or to get in touch with me, you can start my online course by going to courses.beaconleaders.com or you can email me at info at You can also visit my website at www.davidegoresso.com. I will post these links and others in the description section of each episode as well. So until next time, remember to lead well, live on purpose, and honor God with your life.